Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, One Life Church. Are you glad to be at church today, everybody? Hey, welcome, welcome. If this is your first time here as our guest, I want to introduce myself. My name is Rhett, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at One Life Church. Hey, before we jump into this message called Winning the War in Your Mind, I just want to take a moment, look into the camera. I want to welcome our online church family. Come on, throw your hands together. Show some love to those who are joining us today online. We love you. We're sending you some air high fives, some air fist bumps. You are amazing. You are a family, and we cannot wait to see you soon. All right, you guys, as I just mentioned, we are in part two of a series we are called Winning the War in Your Mind. And I cannot wait to jump into it, but I've got to remind you just of a couple of things that are coming up, okay? The Super Bowl of all Sundays for Christians around the globe is happening in three weeks. Can anybody guess what it is? Easter Sunday, everybody. So if you have not marked your calendars, go ahead and mark your calendars. We are going to be having service that day, same time, same opportunities. But I just want to encourage you to use this opportunity. Listen, there is no greater time to invite somebody to experience the love and the hope that is Jesus than on Easter Sunday. It is the easiest invite you, my friend, will ever have to seeing somebody's life change. Because I don't know about you, but like there are, (laughs) when I was growing up, I was basically a CEO Christian. Do you know what that meant? It was a Christmas and Easter only, right? (laughs) And so I want to encourage you, if you have some family members or some friends, maybe even some of you in the room, I get it. I was there at one time too, okay? But I'm telling you, there is no easier, better invite that you'll ever have to invite somebody to experience the love and the hope and the joy and the fun. Come on, everybody. The fun that it is to serve Jesus Christ. Come on. If you love God, throw your hands together one more time this morning. This is a great invite. And so I want to I also want to remind you of one thing, too, and that is the following Friday. You guys, we are having our dream team party, everybody. And so those who are rejoicing, those who are clapping, those who are shouting, those are some of the dream team. What's a dream team? We don't use the word volunteers around here, everybody. A volunteer means that you're signing up to do something you really don't want to do, but you're only doing it just because we've asked you to do it and you feel like you have to because we need you to do it. Anybody else grow up in that church? (laughs) That is so exhausting. I never, my dream was never to plant a church to ask you to do something you never were designed to do. No, no, no. I dreamed that we could plant a church and create a place where we could help people discover their design and put them in places that they're already passionate, that they're already wanting to do. And that is what the dream team is. Every Sunday, men and women from like 6.15 in the morning, they come and they set up and they do everything that they can to serve and to create an atmosphere for you to experience the love and the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. Are you thankful for the dream team, everybody? If you are, come on. They're right now in there loving on your kids. They're not babysitting your kids, everybody. They are speaking the love and the life and the hope that is Jesus over your kids today in small groups. And so the dream team, we do a party. Like we throw a party and we like hold nothing back and it's going to be a lot of fun. Now here's the thing. 
You're like, Pastor Rhett, how do I get to go to the party? You got to be on the dream team. Because this is not, as much as I love everybody who comes and just attends on Sunday, this party, we love you, but it's not for you. This is for those who are on the dream team, who work and who serve and give their heart and their life to invest so that your kids' lives are changed for eternity, so that your family, so that you leave better than you came, just a little bit closer to Jesus. And so you're like, well, Rhett, I want to get on the dream team. Guess what? That's awesome. We want you on the dream team. How do I get on the dream team? A little class we call Discover, which you'll hear a little bit more about. But at the end of the day, it's really just about relationships. There's a lot of people on our dream team who hadn't even been a part of Discover. They just like hanging out with people. Next thing you know, they're in a place serving and loving God and having so much fun. And so I just want to encourage you, please don't get offended if you don't get an invite to the dream team party, because the only people that are getting invites, I love you so much, are those who are on the dream team. Do y'all hear my heart this morning? I'm trying to like inspire you and encourage you to want to be a part of this party. And so I kind of have an agenda. And that is like, even if you've only served one time coming up before this party, we consider you on a dream team. Okay. If you're getting invites from planning center online, you know, you might just be on the dream team. Okay. All right. So I cannot wait for this party. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be on Friday, April the 9th. You'll have more details coming to you soon in an email, everybody. All right, so we're jumping in this message. We are a message note-taking church. Turn to your neighbor and say, open up your message notes. <laughs> Go to olc.church, swipe down, click the button. If you don't have a smartphone, just pretend for me. Act like you got one, just, you know, even if it's invisible. Swipe down. Go to olc.church, click the button that says message notes. My joy and my privilege is not just to inspire you on a Sunday, but it's to give you the tools, my friends, to live out God's word on Monday, on Tuesday, all the way through Saturday. And message notes give us the opportunity to write, to follow along. There's something that happens, science is even proven, that when you take notes and you follow along, like you actually can retain it more. It's an amazing thing. It's somebody like, well, I'm not a note taker. I get it. Can I encourage you to do something you, maybe you've never done before? Can I encourage you to take some notes? Because you might just receive something from God today and this week by doing something you may have never done before. And I'm just saying, mess, where's my message note takers in the house? Where are you at? Come on, throw your hands together if you enjoy taking message notes. I got about five people out there. Thank you very much. All right. I want to I begin this. Uh, message today with a question, and that is, how many of you, if you're being completely honest by a show of hands, how many of you make irrational decisions? Like, do you make irrational decisions? Come on, I got a few bold people this morning raising their hands, say, I make some irrational decisions. Okay, for those who didn't raise your hand, go ahead and just polish your halo, right? You are perfect, and we all strive to be like you one day, so just go ahead and know this message is not for you. The message is for the rest of us who got some issues, including myself, I know what it's like to make some irrational decisions. In fact, I'm probably the king of making some irrational decisions. Maybe you can relate. Actually, when I was thinking about this this past Friday, you guys, we had a sweet gift from heaven above called homemade cinnamon rolls. Where you at, somebody? Thanks be to God for my wife's women's small group that takes place every Friday morning at my house. Whoever made those homemade cinnamon rolls, Thank you, Jesus. You know who you are. I love you. You are my new best friend. Okay? Nothing wrong with a cinnamon roll if you only eat one. So here was my rational decision. I like threw down on two of those cinnamon rolls, and that's not like that's bad enough. But then I thought, hey, you know, why not just throw it down with one box 
of Nutty Buddy cookies that are chocolate-covered, peanut butter-filled. Come on, somebody. Manna from heaven. Why not? And you know, if one box is good, two boxes is better. So I had two cinnamon rolls and two full boxes of Nutty Buddy chocolate-covered, peanut butter-filled cookies from heaven. I don't know why I did that. I just, I know I shouldn't have, but I just ended up doing it. It was irrational, and I'm paying the price for it today. So why do we do that? Students, think about this. Why is it that when you know you've got this huge project or exam tomorrow morning, you decide, yeah, I'd rather play Fortnite all the way to 2 a.m. Students, why do, we, why do we do that? For those who are trying to get out of debt, think about this. Like, you're doing really well. Like, you've got a whole two weeks, and you put some money in savings. You got $25, maybe 100 bucks in there by the end of the month. Why is it that you just can't help look at Amazon, like, I got to have those shoes. Oh my God, I cannot live without these shoes. I got to buy this $2,000 patio set because it's spring and my old one just is ugly. It doesn't fit the paint color anymore. So I need to buy this patio set. I know I should be getting out of debt, but I can't help myself. Why is it, guys, when we walk into the lumber store or Home Depot or Lowe's, that we're like, oh my God, there is another drill. I did not know that I needed this another, another drill. My other one's this big. I got one this big, but I need kind of one in the middle somewhere, you know? Why is it that we make these irrational decisions? In fact, why is it that we should know that we should apologize to somebody, but we don't? Why is it that we know maybe we should, you know, ask for forgiveness or even forgive somebody, but we don't? Why is it that when we know we should be doing the right thing, we kind of end up always doing the wrong thing? By the way, if we're 100% honest, that is every single person who is breathing in this room. It's every single one of us. In fact, one of the greatest influencers outside of Jesus, inside the Bible that we learn about, actually struggled with the same thing. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. His name was Paul, and he could absolutely relate to making some irrational decisions. Look at this in Romans chapter 7, verse 15 through 25. He says, hey guys, I don't really understand myself. I'm behaving irrationally. For I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. He says, I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Sound familiar? I know that I should probably only eat one cinnamon roll, but I need to eat two cinnamon rolls. I know I should probably only eat one cookie, but let's eat like two sleeves. <laughs> right? He says, I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. And I love God's law like with all my heart. And many of us, that's the truth. Any, if I were to ask you if you love God, you're like, yes, I love God. We're good people. But look at this, there's another power within me, Paul says. Notice this, that it's a war with my mind. Like there's this battle going on between this year and this year. There's this battle of my thoughts. Come on, cinnamon rolls, where you at? I know I shouldn't eat it, but it's good and I need it. Not bad to eat it, but like I don't need two in one sitting, right? And oh, I love the humanity. Oh, what a miserable person I am. And that's how many of us feel. 
And I told, I, I can tell you this, Friday night, that's how I felt, okay? I enjoyed the moment, then I realized I probably shouldn't have done that. But all kidding aside, Paul's talking a little bit more about serious issues outside of food. But he said, man, I'm miserable. And he makes a statement in this question. He's like, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And he's like, thank God that I've come to realize my hope. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. My hope today and throughout this series is that you and I, we all come to the place where we discover this truth. And so what I want to do today is I just want to continue to give you some very practical principles that have the power to change your life if you'll apply them when it comes to winning the war in your mind. Why is this important? Well, the big idea and the truth is that most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. So when it comes to your marriage, your relationships, your finances, most of those battles are won or lost in your mind. When it comes to your self-worth, when it comes to your physical health or even your mental health, most of life's battles are either won or lost in between this year and this year. So here's the question. How do we win the war in our minds? Well, last week I began our series by looking at the life of Paul because if there's anyone that we can learn from that learned to win the war in their mind, it was Paul. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3-4 through 4 again. Paul says, hey, I'm talking to Christians here. I'm talking to those who profess to be followers of Christ. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. No, but the weapons that we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine, everybody say this word out loud, they have divine what? Power. Power. This word power comes from a Greek word called dunamis. This is where we get the word dynamite. Explosive. God's saying, hey, or Paul's saying, hey, we have divine authority from God that has dynamite, explosive, miraculous power to do what? To demolish, to annihilate, to tear down what? Strongholds. Strongholds. And we answered this question like last week, but what is a stronghold? Well, we've come to define it as a stronghold. It's a fortified prison. The way I like to say it is, it's any area where you've been taken prisoner, locked by deception or locked by lie. It's any area where you've believed a lie that you can't be free. You've heard the lie so many times over and over again, day by day, moment by moment, week by week, month by month, year by year, and you've bought into a lie that you feel as if you just can't change. You feel like you'll never be free. And you begin to view life in every situation through the lens of a lie. And that's just what it is. It's a lie. So I ask you, what do you think about what you think about? So like, what are some of the lies that you may be hearing? Is it something like, you know what, your situation is just, it's never going to change. Good luck with that. It's not going to happen. You might as well just go ahead and give up on God. God doesn't love you. In fact, God could care less about you. Don't you know what you did last night? Who do you think you are? No, you're never going to amount to anything. These are lies. Maybe it's, you know what? You're never going to lose that weight. You're just always going to be at that weight. You know what? You're never going to have a healthy relationship because you're just a toxic person. Maybe it's the fact that, you know what? I'm never going to get out of debt. This is just going to be the way of life until I die. I'm never going to be good enough. 
And these are all lies. These are all traps, traps set by the enemy to destroy your life, destroy your family, destroy your marriage, destroy your relationships, to destroy your home. And why does he set the trap? Because the bottom line is, you ready for this? He just doesn't want you to make a difference with your life. So he sells you lie after lie and gets you to buy into it so that he can keep you from making a difference with your life. When some of you are in this room, you're going, Pastor Red, you you, got to understand, I get kind of where you're going with this whole lie thing. But the problem isn't that I'm believing a lie. The problem is the person that's in my life. And I say, well, the problem, my friend, with that statement, if that is you today, the problem with that statement is that's a lie. And I'll show it to you. Here's the truth. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Guys, our fight is not against people. The fights that you have are not against your husband or your wife or your boss or your teacher or that crazy family member. No, your fight is not against people on earth, but here it is. It's against the rulers, authorities, and the powers of this world's darkness. It's against the spiritual powers of evil in the heavenly world. In other words, the battle you're facing in your mind, the battle you're facing in your emotions, in your health, physically, mentally, the battles you're facing in your marriage, it's all spiritual. Every single bit of it is spiritual, and it begins with your thoughts coming into your mind. And again, this is why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, look at this. As followers of Christ, I'm going to read it again. For though we live in this world, in all its brokenness, in all its uncertainty, in all its humanity, we do not wage war as the world does. Why? Because we're not fighting with people. We're not fighting with people. We're not fighting with others. No, 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 no. It's spiritual. Look at this. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine authority from God to demolish by the power and the dynamite, miraculous power of God to demolish the lies of the enemy, to demolish the strongholds. So how do we do it? That's an excellent question. Look at this. Everybody say this out loud, this first word. What's the first word say? We. We. We, in other words, you and I have to take some responsibility. We have to be grown men and women and go, you know what? I recognize that I have a part to play in this. I've got to take back my thought life. Nobody else is going to do it for me. I have to make the choice. I have to make the decision to take back what's happening between this year and this year. I've got to demolish the stronghold. I've got to destroy the stronghold. I've got to annihilate the stronghold. I've got to tear down the argument and every pretension. In other words, every lie from the enemy that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. How do we do it? We, you see that word again? Go to the next slide. Next slide. We take captive. It's amazing how many times we see the word we. In other words, how we have a responsibility. You and I, we together, we We take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. We make it obedient to the truth. We make it obedient to God's word. Pastor read all this talk about thoughts and thinking. Man, could it really be that important? Yes, it's absolutely that important. The way I like to say it is, listen, your life is a reflection of the thoughts that you think. Proverbs 23, 7, we read it last week. It's not on the screen. But it basically says, as you think, so you become. As you think, so you become. Your life is a reflection of the thoughts that you think. So if you don't like what's happening in your life, check your thought life. 
Because if our life is a reflection of the thoughts that we think, what are we thinking about? And this is why God emphatically says in Proverbs 4, 23, hey guys, above all else. I love these two words, above all. I looked it up in the Hebrew. You know what it means in the Hebrew? It means above all. In other words, hey, take note. This is important. Anytime you see two words like that in scripture, you better slow your roll down just a little bit and check out what's on the other side of those words. It's important. Above all, if there's one choice that you need to make, ready for it? Guard your heart. What does our heart represent? Our innermost thoughts in our life. Why is this important to guard our mind, to guard our hearts? For everything you do flows from it. Your life is a reflection of the thoughts you think. For everything you do flows from it. That's why I'm saying what comes into your mind comes out in your life. If you want to change your life, you have to change your thinking. If you change your thinking, you'll change your life. So we're looking at the life of Paul again because, again, if there's anyone who ever learned to win the war in his mind... He fought, he battled, he warred, and over time, it was a process because we just read a second ago how he was dealing with these thoughts and didn't know what to do with it, and he was miserable, but he came to the conclusion that thanks be to God, Jesus Christ, this was a day-by-day process. Don't miss that truth today and through this series. It is a process, but he fought, he warred, and over time, he won, and we know that he won because near the end of his life, we find him in a Roman prison writing letters of encouragement to the church. Here is Paul. In prison, chained to a Roman guard. And when he should be playing the role of a victim, woe is me. Oh, we all please pray for me. I have it bad. Oh, where in the world is God and all this? How could he let this happen? Did he talk like that? No. No, he didn't. Did he have every right to think that? Yeah, because he's human. But he learned something. He learned how to control his thoughts so his thoughts didn't control him. And we see him writing encouraging notes, leaving us stuff like this so beautiful near the end of his life. Philippians 4, 8 through 9. And now, dear brothers and sisters, One Life Church, one final thing. One final thing. Paul, what is it, man? What is it? Remember this. Out of everything you've learned from me, check this out. I need you to fix your thoughts. Everybody say fix. I need you to fix your thoughts. Okay, Paul? On what? On what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent. Think about things that are praiseworthy. I love the way the New King James says it. It translates it, uh, verse 8, just a little bit differently. It says, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, everybody say this word out loud, meditate. Meditate on these things. Paul, what are you saying? Paul's saying, hey guys, your thoughts matter. Your thoughts have the power to change your life or to destroy your life. Your thoughts have more influence than you could possibly imagine. He's saying, hey guys, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. In other words, what's coming into your mind comes out into your life. So it is important that we learn how to train our mind. We have to learn how to train our mind. How do we do that? Well, just like we train our body for exercise, we can train our mind toward truth. 
You know, when I began to work out, you know what I thought? I thought I could just go to the gym, move some weights around, run a little bit, right? And lose weight. But you know what I discovered? I absolutely came to discover when it comes to my physical health that it's not just what I do with my body, but it's what I put into my body. Like, I was at the gym this past week, but I also ate two cinnamon rolls and two, like, sleeves of Nutty Buddy chocolate covered peanut butter filled cookies. Junk in, junk out. I don't care how much I go to the gym. If I continue to live like that and to eat like that, y'all pray for your pastor. I might not be here another week, okay? <laughs> just kidding. I just want you to know that was a one-off, okay? I'm exposing my sins today to you. I do not eat like that all the time. In fact, before, the, before all this COVID stuff that hit over a year ago, man, I was doing good, man. I was in the gym like, for like four or five months. Actually, had some buddies that would go with us, you know, with me. Some of you are here today, and it was awesome. And then, you know, COVID hit, and we're like, oh, it's only be two weeks. You know, 9, 10, 12 months later, <laughs> quarantine 15 hit me just like it hit everybody else, right? <laughs> and so I'm back in the gym. I'm trying to establish some new habits. Anyway, you don't want to hear about that. But all I'm trying to say is the same is true with our mind. The same is true with our mind. In order for us to have a healthy mind, think about this, it's not just what we do with our mind. It's what we put into our mind. Can I go to a, get an amen this morning? Amen. So what does it look like to have a God-centered, healthy mind? How do we train our mind towards truth? That's the question. Well, we just read it. Look at it one more time, Philippians 4, 8. If there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, everybody say it out loud one more time. Meditate on these things. Pastor Red, I was just beginning to like this church, and uh, I think you're getting a little bit weird on me. Are you saying we're going to go all new age, and I'm going to have to sit in a circle with my legs crossed and go, hum? No, it's not what I'm saying. In fact, it's not even in the Bible anywhere. It's not what I'm saying, but I am saying that God's word does tell us that we need to meditate. So what's the word meditate mean? Look at the simple definition. Meditate simply means to engage in a mental exercise. It means to focus one's thoughts. Guys, God is saying that if you're ever going to win the battle of what's happening between this year and this year, you have got to learn to focus your thoughts on God's truth. You gotta learn how to focus your thoughts on God's truth. And this is why David tells us in Psalm 119, I love this. He says, hey guys, I meditate. He says, I focus my thoughts on your precepts, God, on your principles. I consider your ways. In fact, I delight in your decrees and I will not neglect your word. I will not neglect training my mind toward truth through God's word. Why, David? Because when it comes to my life, David's saying, if I want to change my life, I've got to change my thinking. So my hope today is that you receive this truth, that it just goes from your head into your heart and begins to penetrate your soul. And God begins to reveal this truth to you today because it has the power to set you free from the lies that you've believed for so long. I'm giving you simple truth today. And so I want to kind of build on the foundation that we set from last week. And I just want to remind you, last week I asked you to think about what you think about it's just important to remind you one more time. I asked you to identify the lie that is holding you back. I said, whatever it is, you just need to name it. Why? Why is that important? Because you cannot defeat what you cannot define. You will never change what you cannot confront. You cannot defeat what you cannot define. So we've got to identify the lie that's keeping us, that's holding us back from what we know is our best life. But then I asked you to do something simple, and that is, now that you've identified the lie, I want you to replace the lie with God's truth. And many of you are like, well, I don't know where to start. So I gave you just something very simple and practical. I said, a great place to start is go, hey, goo-goo. 
Everybody see that YouTube video? Grandma trying to talk to Google. Hey, Google! <laughs> if you've missed that, you're missing it. It's hilarious. Anyway, hey, Google! Can you give me some Bible verses on depression? Can you give me some Bible verses on anxiety? Can you give me some Bible verses on fear or worry? And I'm not kidding when I say that. And some of you have went and applied that and you've already begun to see the truth this week. And then I said, then what I want you to do as you begin to identify those Bible verses, I want you to get a paper Bible, one of these ancient manuscripts that have pages, papyrus, ink, And I want you to begin to find that verse, highlight that verse, circle the verses, underline, write in the verse, write on it, write on it, write on it. And then I said, should rehearse God's word over and 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 over. It's like the Energizer Bunny, right? He keeps going and going over and over and over again. Why? Because Jesus told us, John 8, 31 through 32, guys, if you'll abide in my word, If you'll abide in my word, if you'll read it, if you'll rehearse it, if you'll go over it again, if you'll live it out, here's the promise. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And I want you to find freedom today. I want you to find freedom in every area of your life, and it begins when we learn how to change our thinking so we can change our life. So I simply want to help you take a next step as we expound on the truth in the practicality of last week. I want to help you train your mind towards truth. So once you've identified the lie, once you begin to replace the lie with God's truth, it's time. You ready for this? Very practical. You're going to be glad you came to church today to write the truth down. Write it out. Write it on a piece of paper. Look at this. Habakkuk or Habakkuk. I don't know how to pronounce it right. 2-2. Write the vision down. Write the truth down down and make it plain on your iPad. Make it plain on your iPhone, your dumb phone, your laptop, your bathroom mirror, in your car, on your hand, on a notepad. Put it where you can see it. Write the truth down on anything and everything you can. Why? So that you can run when you read it. Look at the rest of the verse. That you may run, that you may experience life, freedom, you may run when you read God's truth. Proverbs 29, 18, guys, God makes it very clear. Where there is no vision, where there is no revelation of God's truth, where there is nothing written down in your life about what God's called you to and where he's calling you to go from here, look at this. The people perish. You'll experience death in every area of your life, in your thoughts, in your mental health, in your physical health, in your family, in your marriage, in your home, in your finances, in your career. When you don't have the vision from God for your life. How do you get the vision for God for your life? You get into God's word. You write it down. So when I'm dealing with worry, I find scripture and I write it out. God, I'm dealing with worry. You know what? I will not worry. Because God, you are my provider. And if I'm dealing with addiction, God, I'm not a prisoner. I'm an overcomer. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. You know, fear. I will not fear. Exclamation point, exclamation point. Because God, you are with me. Once you identify the truth, I want you to write it down. But then once you write it down, here's number two. Very simple. Take notes. Write this down. It's going to change your life. If you hear it, you don't apply it, eh, it'll be just a good message you'll forget tomorrow. 
But if you'll write it down, you'll begin to apply this in your life. It will change your life, and it will be the service and the message that you're like, thank God I came to One Life Church on this Sunday because this impacted me in such a way that now I'm finding freedom in areas of my life that I never thought I'd find freedom from. So now what do we do? We think about the truth. Think about the truth. We write it down. Second thing, we think about the truth. Take one verse. One verse. Not the whole Bible. Just one verse. Find the one truth that replaces the lie. And take that one verse. Write it down. And I want you for five minutes, just five minutes. You don't have to do it all day. You just need to do it every day. Just take five simple minutes and do what David said in Psalm 145.5. And that is, God, I will meditate on this verse. I will think. I will reflect. I will ponder. I will focus on your wonderful works. And then just go over it in your mind over and over and over again. Let it resonate into your soul. One of the verses that are, has become one of my favorite verses. In all, it's not on the screen, but it's Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And if you'll do that, he says, I'll direct your path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. Trust, trust. What does it mean to trust, trust? God, I trust you. I trust you. Not with my thoughts because I can't, I, I don't understand what's happening right now. God, the world is falling apart, but your word says to lean not on my own understanding. So God, I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to trust you. And the, the only best way to know how to trust you is just to trust you. I'm going to put my faith in you. I'm going to put my hope in you. And God, I'm not going to look to the situation. I'm not going to look to the circumstance. But I'm going to look to you. I'm not going to lean on what's happening in my mind right now because it, it's trying to figure it all out. But God, your picture is bigger than mine. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. But in everything, God, today, tomorrow, and God forever, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to acknowledge you. I'm going to seek you first. And your word says... God, that you will direct my steps. When I can't figure it out, you have the picture. It's bigger than me. I just have to be faithful and trusting, leaning, and the rest is, it's up to you because you're a good father, and this is your word. Five minutes. Everything that I just explained to you has been over time of a process for 27 years of my life, reading and reflecting on that one verse. When you begin to read, when you begin to reflect, and when you begin to pause and wonder and just take it in, your life begins to change. God's word becomes alive in your heart and in your soul, and it changes everything. So some of you are thinking, well, Pastor Ed, I don't really know about all this. Like, I mean, I, that may work for you, but it's really not going to work for me. And I'm just saying, aren't you tired of being sick and tired? Aren't you tired of being held hostage as a prisoner with fear, with anxiety, with worry, with depression, and with addiction? Aren't you tired of it? I'm just saying, man, you got to get to the place where you're trying some things you never tried before. Because I promise you, if you'll get into God's word, if you'll write it and you'll think it, your life will begin to change. It's time to take your life back. It's time for you to begin to walk in the blessing that God has for you. Psalms 1, 1 through 3. Look at this. If you don't believe me, look at God's word. Blessed is the one who does what? Who doesn't walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or even sit in the company of mockers. Blessed is the one who doesn't think like the world thinks, who does things a little bit differently, who does things that maybe seem a little bit crazy on the surface, who does things according to God's word, but whose delight, check this out, whose delight is in God's word, the law of the Lord, who meditates, there's the word, who meditates, who thinks, who writes it out, who thinks, who reflects, who, res who just allows God to speak and to resonate to his soul. He ruminates on it like a cow chewing cud. I know that's disgusting, but that's the best thing I got for you. You take it in, you eat it, you swallow it, you bring it right back up. Blessed is the one who does this day and night. 
Why? Because look at the rest of the verse. This person is like a tree. It's solid. It's immovable. This person's marriage is solid. It's immovable. This person's thought light is solid. It's immovable. How? Because it's planted, look at this, by a constant source of fresh life. It's planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit. In other words, it means you're going to be productive. You're going to make a difference with your life. And I love the rest of this verse. This is an incredible promise. Whose leaf does not wither, whatever he does, whatever she does, prospers. Whatever you do, blessed is the one who meditates on God's law day and night, who writes it, who thinks it, who reflects on it. Blessed is the one. You're like a tree. You're filled by the Spirit of God, streams of living water, fresh life in your life. And whatever you do prospers. And this is my hope for you. This is our church's hope for you in your life for your marriage, for your home, for your finances, for your kids, for your career. So whatever you find your hand doing, you prosper. How does it work? Blesses the one who meditates on God's truth day and night, night and day. How? Write it, think it. Here's number three. Confess, confess it. Confess the truth until you believe it. Confess the truth until you believe the truth. Guys, your life reflects not only the the things that you think, but your life reflects the words that you speak. Your life reflects the words you speak. It's powerful. Proverbs 18, 21. I know you've heard this verse, but you need to hear it again. The tongue, the tongue, what's right here in between this ear and this ear has the power of life and death. And those who love it, you'll eat its fruit. And I want to encourage you to speak life over your family, over your home, over your situation. I want to encourage you to speak God's word over you. Why? Well, look at 2 Timothy. All scripture, all scripture, even the begats, all scripture is inspired by God. All scripture is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize, here it is, what is wrong in our lives. In other words, it changes. It changes the way we think. It corrects us when we're wrong. And it teaches us to do what's right. It sets us free from the lies and the prison of the deception that we've believed. Some of you are in this room today and you've bought into some lies. You've bought into worry and you're anxious and you're lying awake at night and you can't sleep. What do you do? You gotta identify the lie. You gotta replace the lie with God's truth. You gotta write it. You gotta think it. You gotta confess it until you believe it. So when you're worried, put this on the screen. Here's my declaration. By the way, the scripture references for these statements are in your notes. But Philippians 4, 6 says, because of Christ, you know what? Here's my declaration. I'm not anxious about anything. You know, when I'm worried, 1 Peter 5, 7, 5, 7 tells me, I cast my cares on Christ. Why? Because he cares for me. I have the peace of God dwelling in my heart and ruling in my mind. Philippians 4, 7. Write it. Think it. Confess it until you believe it. Maybe you're having trouble making a decision in this room today and you don't know what to do and you're simply overwhelmed. Declare this truth of your life. My life belongs to God, 1 John 4, 4. Daily I seek him. Daily he directs my steps, Proverbs 16, 9. I know his voice and he leads me to his perfect will, John 10, 4. Write it. 
Think it. Confess it until you believe it. Here's one more. Maybe you're lacking confidence. Maybe you're thinking, you know what? I'm just not that good enough. I will never measure up. You need to declare this truth. My confidence is in Christ and Christ alone. It's Philippians 1.6. His spirit lives within me. Galatians 2.20. I can do everything that he calls me to do. Philippians 4.13. Write it. Think it. Confess it until you believe it. This, my friends, is so simple. But yet many of us don't do it. It has the power to change your life. I just want to encourage you to apply this in your life. What do we know? Well, we know that when it comes to training our mind towards truth, we've got to take captive every thought and we've got to make it obedient to God's word. How do we do that? We have to identify the lie. We have to replace that lie with God's truth. How do we do that? We write it, we think it, we confess it until we believe it. Most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. If you want to change your life, you got to change your thinking. If you'll change your thinking, it will change your life. Will you bow your head and close your eyes all across this room? This is the most important part of our service. Please, no one moving around. Some of you here today, you've been locked in a prison for far too long. And the only lock on the door, my friends, is a lie. It's not the truth. I've got some good news for you today. The good news is that there's a key that unlocks that door of that lie. And that key, my friends, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And he's here this morning, right here with you in this room. God tells us if we'll draw close to him, he'll draw close to us. And I just want you to be encouraged today. There is no condemnation in Christ. He loves you. You are his son and you are his daughter. And you are one heartfelt prayer away from experiencing all the freedom, all the hope, all the joy, all the peace that is Christ. So if you're here today and you feel distant from God, you have an opportunity to come close to him as he's drawing close to you. Romans 10, 9 simply tells us that if you'll just declare with your mouth, believe in your heart, that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, you will find freedom. You'll experience life. In fact, this is the reason Jesus came. He tells us, I've come so that you can have life and life to the full. So if you're here today and you want to experience freedom in every area of your life, it begins with a single step. It begins with a relationship with God. And it'd be my honor and my joy of my life if I could lead you in that prayer today. I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I will not embarrass you in any way at all, I promise. But if you're here today and you're like, Brett, I want to experience freedom through Christ, will you be so bold to raise your hand right now all across the room? Just raise your hand right now if that's you. I want to experience freedom. I want to experience joy. I want to come into a relationship with God. My friends, you're not promised tomorrow. Today is the only day we have. This is the most significant decision you will ever make in your entire life. Please don't leave here without leaning in to the love of God. You just raise your hand right now. Nobody's looking around. It's just you and God. God bless you. You can put your hands down. 
Come on, would everybody say a simple prayer like this? Just say, God, today I say yes to your love. I say yes to your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I put my hope, I put my trust in you. I pray that you say, forgive me, change me. Come live on the inside of me. I give you my life. I give you everything. I pray this, say, Holy Spirit, I receive you today. And I ask you to empower me to make a difference. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, hang with me. Maybe you raised your hand. Maybe you didn't. Can I just tell you, it's not about a hand raised, but it's about a heart that connects with God. And if you prayed that prayer this morning, you meant it with all your heart. My friend, I want to welcome you home. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome to beginning to experience freedom that will permeate every area of your life and your mind. It's amazing. And I just want to congratulate you today. But I want to let you know there are some other steps that you need to take. And one of the most significant steps outside of salvation is the people you choose to do life with. And I want to encourage you to get in a small group, to find a small group. What are small groups? They're groups that are small that meet on a weekly basis. We honestly believe, according to God's word, that life change happens in life-giving relationships. And many of you in this room, you're experiencing that because you're in small groups. So if you want to know more about what that looks like, I want to encourage you to go to our website at olc.church and click on the link that looks like that. Hey, my friends, we had some decisions for Jesus this morning. Can we put our hands together and celebrate? Come on. Amen.